How's it going, everyone? This is the uh, Nips and Sips podcast uh, featuring uh, me, myself, uh, Dr. Jeremy Boyd, and my partner in crime there, Dr. Brandon Cruz. Uh, today, we're going to be uh, talking about uh, what manual therapists or physical therapists, outpatient orthopedic and sports physical therapists can uh, do to help their clients uh, from distance. Uh, I know a lot of us have had to convert to telehealth or virtual sessions, so I figured it'd be a good time that we can kind of help people, you know, continue the hands-on skills that we're given to the clients in the clinic and then extend it to the virtual world, per se. Um, definitely starting to feel that first drink there. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, but, For those of you who don't know, this, this is our second, second episode we're, we're shooting today. Uh, but yeah, Jared, well, you know, what you were talking about, how can we add more value to our patients? Uh, especially now in the pandemic when patients are at home, we're, we're providing telehealth, but aside from educating them and demonstrating some exercises, you know, what else is in your arsenal to, to give not only the patient value, but have them, you know, not lose the full benefits of, of what they were getting. And uh, obviously a lot of patients come for, for hands-on and uh, hands-on component of therapy. Um, it's a big component of obviously what Jeremy and I do and what we preach, uh, how it should be a part of what you do. But via telehealth, you can reach through the screen and touch the patient. So today we're really going to focus on, uh, we'll, we'll touch upon some exercises and stuff, but what are some self-mobilization techniques uh, or suggestions that we can provide to you guys that you can then bring to your, your patients? And that's kind of what we're going to focus on in today's episode. Uh, but before we go into that, let's, uh, let's talk about our drinks. Jerry, so you got that nice, uh, that nice mug with that nice um, porter right there. Yeah, this is a uh, stout, actually. Or stout, uh, sorry. I don't know. Yeah, stout. Um, so the nice mug, I figured... We started this more in the morning, uh, so if you have more our, you know, porters and stouts to kind of, you know, I don't really feel like having IPAs and that sort of stuff earlier in the morning. But um, so this uh, this mug is from Love City Brewing, which is in Philadelphia. Awesome brewery, um, great scene, um, really nice people there. Uh, got some TVs and stuff. Hopefully when this pandemic is over, they can open up. Uh, I went there on a, um, what was it? A brewery tour sort of thing for my anniversary, which was great. I was like, this is a great way to spend an anniversary. So I went to four breweries, um, on a bus and, you know, drank beer along the way, which was awesome. And this was one of the stops. So really cool. If you're in the city of Philadelphia, I think it's one of the better Philly breweries. Um, what I'm drinking is from uh, from you there, Brandon, um, for our uh, was it our holiday party? It was uh, your. It was the trifectus party, not per trifecta party. party. All right, party, yeah. Um, and we were doing that white elephant, and uh, you suggested I should should go for one, so I definitely did, and they weren't going to mess with the boss man there. So um, there's a nice winter series. I've been holding on to it uh, until uh, until my nips and sips got going. Uh, it's Stone X Coveza. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it is freaking delicious. Um, 8.1%. So if I start getting a little little fuzzy towards the end of this podcast, you guys know why. But it's a uh, 
a imperial stout inspired by Mexican hot chocolate. So it's got, it's with chocolate, it's got coffee, pasilla peppers, which I didn't know what those were, uh, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. Taste of vanilla and nutmeg. Uh, it's, this is, uh, this goes out as one of my, already one of my favorite kind of uh, stouts here. It's delicious. Yeah, sounds great. I don't like beer, but uh, I kind of want to try, see what that one tastes like. Yeah, definitely wouldn't want like six of these in a row. Um, it'd be a little bit much, but the taste is killer. And I have, uh, oh, yeah. I have my usual here. I have uh, my Buchanan's here on, on the rocks. Uh, ice is kind of melting it, so now it's becoming a, a, a whiskey scotch blend with water. But, uh, yeah, so we'll be drinking to this and, and talking a little little PT and some self-mobs. So, uh, I guess, Jer, um, yeah, what are, I guess, how have you been approaching this? Because I know you jumped into this before I did. Uh, with the telehealth, I, I used I used my time off uh, to learn some other things and, and get some other business ventures going um, and catch up on some things that we wanted to do. So I've only had a few patients, but I know at least early on you were you were diving into the telehealth game pretty pretty hard. So what what were your experiences? How were you able to provide uh, value? And what were some techniques that you you found? I don't know if you could just talk some cases real quick to to everybody. Yeah, so um, I didn't want to, I didn't really view it as a means to keep, I don't know, the finances going. I'm always patient first kind of sort of company. So um, I just want to keep providing care to my clients. So it was kind of free for all my, all my trifecta clients. Um, and if they didn't feel comfortable coming in or there's some people that's like, I don't really think it's necessary for you, the risk or reward for you to come in. Um, I think we can treat you via telehealth. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, it wasn't so much incredibly different than what I was doing, obviously no hands on and those sort of things. But, um, I was always teaching self mobilizations. I always have, a um, a belief that if you mobilize or you believe that there's something that needs to be mobilized, you should probably teach them how to do it themselves. Overall, we know the compliance and, home exercise program is pretty poor. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd at least do it for my own sake and for myself to feel better. So, um, but it definitely, you know, made me think that what can drive a little bit more home, uh, or had them do it. I can say, Hey, this is a, I just, you know, mobilized, manipulated this. This is a technique to do at home to carry you over between sessions. Now I'm just watching them do it. Um, so that was a little bit different Then I can kind of cue them and those sort of things. And, um, we, you know, it was, it's definitely a little bit not ideal. Um, you know, even besides just the hands-on, you know, being able to do a manipulation or mobilization right there, but even from an exercise standpoint where I'm, you know, everything, you know, from the most basic, like a clamshell to, you know, a snatch, um, I'm there trying critiquing things, um, either from just a form standpoint or a modulation standpoint, you know, hurts to do a 200 pound squat. You know, there are certain times where I get my hands on the person playing around with their patella or, you know, cause force resistance to the abductors or, you know, change some positioning and those sort of things with my hands at first. 
that I can't necessarily do via telehealth. Um, but, you know, at least I can like ask them, all right, well, you know, why don't you try pushing out a little bit more, you know, change up your stance a little bit. So we have some cool case studies. Uh, I have an elite gymnast that I'm trying to work with who has a Liz Frank injury. Uh, it's a tough couple of times she's talking about now in that area, it's been a little sore and those sort of things. So I can't palpate feel around. It's a little tough for that. But, you know, we talk about it, we see if it's within kind of normal parameters and then I kind of get her going, try and do any self techniques, warm up. And now we're at the point where she's doing like tumbling drills on a, on a trampoline and stuff. So it's definitely a, uh, forces you to evolve a little bit. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna hope for things to restore to normalcy. So I can just be like, oh, you need this sort of thing at your foot or, um, you know, change up your footwear or something of, of that nature. But um, a lot of me videoing things as I see things so I can like break it down, text it to the client, let them know. But uh, yeah, it's kind of my experience with telehealth thus far. But what about anything from you, Brandon? I know. Yeah, yeah I was going to, I've had a, a few uh, handful, um, but I was going to say, I, I think, you know, the, the bright spot, we can do something like this where I've recorded the Zoom session and then it comes down to a MP4. You can easily go in and put it on your phone. And now you're talking about, um, you know, Olympic weightlifting. I, I was uh, treating uh, someone who's very avid in golf and, and hurt their back playing golf. Uh, and, you know, you can go in his basement, swing a club. And I can now break down, uh, you know, I have to, I have to send it to him after a session, but I can go in and now edit the video and draw lines and stuff and send it to him where I probably wouldn't do that in the clinic. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of been a, a nice uh, advantage because really? the video is here already. Um, yeah, I can't get in there and cue and adjust kind of like you were saying, but um, that's a, that's a great alternative. You just download the video straight to your computer, put it in. Um, either, you know, your regular iPhone or video app or, you know, download one of the, the other ones, uh, huddle or hurdle, or, um, there's a golf swing analysis one, whatever the case may be. Um, and you can, you can edit those there. Uh, another thing I've been able to, to utilize is self mobilizations. And I, I have eBooks that I've worked on and, and I've kind of, for one reason or another, I haven't really fully completed them. And this has been the time to complete them. Um, and I've been able to send them actually uh, to, to some patients. And it's like, oh, here, I've been working on this. Uh, you know, here, take, you know, and I send it to them. And, and we go over and I screen share and I'll, I'll do it now. Um, Jerry, you said you were talking about the foot, right? Let me go to the foot. Yeah, and we can, basically, I can just go to the patient and say you know, here, try this technique, or I could just give them a clip it of it. Is it, is it up yet? Yep. Uh, I see the logo. Yep. yep, yep. Up, beautiful. All right. So let's go all the way down. And we can work on ankle, ankle stuff. So you were talking about uh, Liz Frank, obviously that's not the towel cruel joint, but I'm going to assume that she may have had some towel cruel joint limitations. Uh, how can we introduce weight bearing and, and maintain an arch while we're doing this uh, and instruct the patient there? Um, now we could progress to a standing 
So now we have a progression with, you know, three ways to do it. Non-weight bearing, partial weight bearing, full weight bearing. Um, going into working on the foot. All right, maybe you can't teach her to directly mobilize uh, where the Liz Frank is and the kind of that midfoot area. Uh, but can we work on great toe extension? Um, can we work on calcaneal mobilizations? Whatever the case may be. I, I was working with a couple runners, so these actually worked out great. These bottom ones I showed you, mm. uh, who had some plantar fasciitis. Number one in the uh, reason for plantar fasciitis, locking dorsiflexion. Bam, you have three techniques to work on dorsi, or actually four techniques to work on dorsiflexion. Um, great toe extension. Uh, very big to help stretch out at that plantar fasciitis or plantar fascia uh, and work on that windlass uh, mechanism. And then that calcanea, calcanea mobilization or subtalar. So th these were the things I was able to, um, you know, provide my patients and talk them through it, you know, show them it. Um, me physically show them it by angling it down and showing them whatever technique Mm -hmm. And then, you know, seeing how the patient's doing it and, and seeing if they're feeling what they're supposed to be feeling and then just providing them with just some additional benefits. So uh, if you haven't been doing that, uh, I think that's a great way to add that manual component in there. I'm obviously you and I cut from the same cloth where we like manual therapy. We haven't been able to do it. But uh, the way you and I, for the most part, kind of layer or blend our treatment, it's we do manual therapy, then we trying to find uh, or have the patient perform a self-mobilization technique that uh, complements what we did on the table uh, to not only empower the patient so they can do it on their own, but also makes it more of a pa uh, an active approach. Mm -hmm. uh, again, uh, one of those knocks on manual therapy is patients become too reliant. All right, well, I did what I needed to do in, in two to five minutes, and now I'm making the patient take some ownership in, in what they're doing. Uh, and you know, now they can do it. Now you said their retention of home exercise program isn't, isn't that high, which is fine. But I mean, we can only bring a horse to water, mm -hmm. but if we can give them a technique that we can easily test retest and that patient can notice and see that benefit right away, they're probably going to be more inclined to do that technique rather than just having a telehealth session. Okay. Do some bridges and clamshells and just some boring ass basic shit that, you know, really what have you provided for them? Um, they can do that on their own. And mm -hmm. to be honest, no patient likes doing bridges. Um, but you know, what else can we provide for them? Uh, again, a lot of, a lot of patients, they, they're coming because they want that hands-on care at least, or that component of it. it doesn't have to be the whole session, but we can't do that. Can we, can we do something else? Can, can we provide them with some tools that they can perform on their own. I think that's the, the big benefit with uh, the telehealth. And mm -hmm. I think telehealth is going to be expedited. At least that's the hope with, with this pandemic, you know, the laws and regulations. I mean, you, everyone, hopefully everyone saw how quickly, uh, especially Medicare, who fucking, they suck uh, and don't want to pay for anything or pass anything, but they were, they were actually pretty quick in saying, yeah, you can do telehealth and we'll pay for it and you can do it on Zoom and you don't need HIPAA compliant, which honestly, on a recording tip like this, never made any sense to me why I can't do this. Uh, I need a HIPAA compliant software. Meanwhile, I could talk to somebody on the telephone and that not be HIPAA compliant. Where, yeah. where these laws make no fucking sense. And I know I'm cursing a lot, but 
Um, it's okay. We're explicit on whatever podcast. Like hopefully, yeah, we're drinking on it, right? We're 21 or older. Mm-hmm. Um, why, you know, so like I was saying, hopefully a lot of these laws get, get passed through. I'm in New, well, we are both in New Jersey and we have a compact law that we've signed and okayed, but we've been sitting, you know, on our thumb, um, you know, where not letting us be able to treat outside of the state. Again, why? If somebody has heard of me or has been referred to me and I want to be able to treat them, why can't I, I treat them? Or if they're out of state because they're on the vacation, why can't I treat them? Again, all these barriers or perceived barriers have been knocked down because of the pandemic. So hopefully things get expedited here. And maybe that patient who didn't want to pay, you know, those cash pay clinics didn't want to pay a hundred or $200 or whatever you charge. Um, maybe this is a, a way to, to keep them on and maybe they don't need an hour. Maybe this is a great way to have a follow-up session where you're just checking in with a patient for 20 minutes um, for those more independent patients who just need to be cued the right way and don't need to come three times a week. Um, I don't think most patients need to come three times a week anyway. Um, but I think this is, this is going to be good or this will be a good thing as things evolve in just different ways to not only help our patients, but you know, when you're owning a practice, different revenue streams, different ways to offer. Uh, and you know, like we were talking in the previous podcast and we touched upon today, you know, hopefully coming out of this podcast or this podcast, this pandemic, uh, with extra uh, another skill set. Um, how have you been able to adjust your business model or just business in general um, to adapt to this uh, and not just hold out that, all right, it's going to, it's going to pass. All right. Yeah, it probably will pass and it is going to pass, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean we need to just rely on that. Use this time to be progressive um, as much as you can. Obviously we're being reactive, but knowing this, how can we then be progressive to the next time something like this happens, uh, we're in a better situation, or maybe you just want to not be tied down to, uh, always being in the clinic to treat. And maybe you just want to treat at home a a little bit. I I think this will open up a lot of areas and not just, uh, orthopedics, but how about peds or just consultations? I I mean, the, the possibilities are endless with, um, with being able to use now telehealth or teleconsults or whatever you want to call it uh moving forward so yeah I, mean, so that's, I know i was talking for a while my my oh. piece there if, uh but yeah jerry what, what what else i don't know if you have any things on encouragement pain science um what else you you know you've been able to do or add to uh to your to the value here yeah as as actually just going into what you're about to say and um i always say the the most powerful thing that we can give as therapists is, is some form of education. Um, and that can be easily done over text messaging, calling, and definitely telehealth or virtual or zoom sessions or everything like that. So, um, you know, we, especially I always like to use my manual therapy time. Um, whether it's like five minutes to 15 minutes to, shoot sometimes 20 30 minutes yeah. as a you know you know two for one special is i'm educating as i'm doing it so yeah, you're talking um, as you're doing the technique yeah it's never quiet yeah there's a little you know shoot the shit sort of moments where it's like hey how was your weekend and yada 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 and those sort of things and 
but then we're like, you know, talking about how things are going and, you know, giving advice, you know, presenting some research if it's need be. I try not to get too much into the weeds of that. Um, but, you know, I, I can be done, you know, via telehealth and I'm, I'm doing that with my clients and stuff is, you know, a lot of these people, and if you know it, and we talk about, you know, central sensitization and chronic pain sort of things is there's a lot more going on, you know, biopsychosocially, what's going on with their stress levels. I get a lot of teachers right now and, you know, God bless them all. I hope they all get raises after this. Um, you know, all the shit that they have to deal with, like converting everything online. And, uh, then they have all these parents and then they're chasing after all these kids. And for, from what I see, they're all unfortunately, you know, high stressed individuals and those sort of things. So, you know, just being ear for them to, you know, vent about these sort of things as I'm like, oh, how's the day going? All right. Well, you know, let's do a self mobilization technique as we're doing it. So, um, you know, that's kind of what I've, you know, evolved to is more of I'm watching them as they're trying to talk. Some clients can't walk and talk at the same time. It's like they're either doing the exercise or they're talking. Ideally, we try and do both. Um, that's why it's nice with manual therapy. It's just like, well, I can talk and I can do the hands on. Yeah. And then you're just there to listen versus, you know, there's been times where I've, you know, talked and, even when they're on the bike, it's like their brain's focused on the exercise so much, but, you know, definitely use this as a time to, to educate clients about their, their status, uh, their condition and those sort of things. And, you know, if they're making gains outside of the actual clinic, it's something to highlight, you know, um, I would say, I'd say all our telehealth clients are making progress. So it's like kind of good to kind of show them again, especially also for that, that chronic pain client that, you know, sometimes these chronic pain clients need like feel the need to have something done to them. If you had talked to them long enough, they've had chiropractic for all their life. They get, you know, regular massages, they've had physical therapy in and out and those sort of things. And, you know, if you've converted them to a telehealth kind of approach, this is kind of a good time to kind of bring that up as almost as a reflective piece of, Hey, you know, you're making gains. We're talking about things and, you know, no one's touched you in two, three, four, five, six weeks. So, um, you know, there's things like that, um, that, you know, you can talk about and, uh, yeah, I mean, I try not to anymore. And I haven't done even with telehealth where I used to have, extensive pain science conversations like way too long we had a podcast about it it was like 30 minutes yep i you know people want to stab themselves after my talks but you know you know you can use it to that if like all right you know i can't do as many exercises as i want with that person i can't do hands-on maybe i can educate them more but don't again don't get into the weeds of talking their ears off for 30 minutes, make sure it's interactive. That was something I failed to do um, early on. Really? You know, they got to communicate as much as I communicate, but that's, well, yeah. Um, huh? I said, we all have, we've all been there. Uh, I think it's important to allow, allow yourself to be uh, a beginner at something. And, and, you know, now we're, we're erring on the side of more being experts, but you know, there were times when we, we tried a lot of this stuff and we failed at it. 
uh, we lost patience for it, um, whatever the case may be. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's the fun about it. And then, yeah, this is the fun about this whole situation was I thought I needed to treat people in front of me. Um, I've given tons of advice over phone text messages. I think I was three for three for diagnosing foot fractures over either a text message or a phone call prior to all this. Nice. It's kind of cool. It's like, yeah, use Ottawa foot rules, send me a picture, this and that. I'm like, I think you broke your foot. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, you can do things, you know, virtually or without being in, you know, there. So yeah. this is forced the evolution of, wow, I can make, I can make some gains far away. And as you were saying, like, um, something I've thought was like, I've, you know, high level active individuals and they travel, you know, five days a week and those sort of things. And I never, I'm like, all right, yeah, follow up with me. You know, as your week goes by and those sort of things, I'll see you in a week or two weeks. And I'm like, barely hear from them and now it's just like oh maybe i can get them in their hotel room you know twice a week so um yeah it's definitely you know use it as an opportunity to grow versus again just wait i think i think you said something uh great which wasn't i don't think was really going to be on our talk here but um the fact that you diagnosed you know, via text and, and, uh, phone calls. And granted this was prior to telehealth, but hopefully this shift into telehealth, uh, and hopefully the catapult into be it being, I don't want to say more mainstream, but at least more of an option. Uh, you know, hopefully that wants therapists or leads therapists to becoming, um, better at diagnosing, better at understanding these rules, uh, that yes, we, basically just gloss over them in school, but how to really implement them. Mm -hmm. um, not to not maybe be as nervous. Cause I, I think, you know, a lot of times newer grads, uh, students, even, um, even clinicians practicing uh, several years, they, they forget about the auto anchor rules or uh, these clusters uh, that, yeah, they maybe aren't sure fire, but at least they point us in the right direction and something that we, we discuss in our lumbar pelvic course is one of the biggest, um, I guess, tools that uh, lie in our favor in terms of um, likelihood ratio and being able to diagnose is our clinical judgment. Uh, like that's, that's ranked pretty high. I think it's like a 19.2 or something like that. Uh, granted, that's for, I think that's for cancer diagnosis. But we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, discredit our... Um, knowledge and clinical diagnosis and the information's out there, but you need to be able to recognize mechanisms of injuries, difference diagnosis, what other pathologies could it be um, using, like you said, auto anchor rules, auto knee rules, things like that to help hedge our bets. Um, you know, I, I think that's only going to help with our ability to diagnose and not, not just always refer or feel the need to refer out for an extra MRI or, or refer to a doctor and things like, uh, let me rephrase that, refer to a physician. Um, and, and I guess really empower us to empower the patient. And, you know, you could come see us. We're, we're just as viable um, option for you guys. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm also looking for, speaking of patient education and 
I wish I queued this up, uh, but you said something again that uh, it was off my radar. I have this uh, a few books, um, but one is a back book. You were talking about patient education and pain science and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, these these are great times too, where if you have eBooks, um, and like I said, I apologize, I can't find it for your reference. I'll continue to look through it, and if not, I'll at least put it. We'll put it in the show notes, right, Jerry? You, you handle that. We could put the link yeah. in the show notes or something, right? Yeah. Uh, for everybody, um, where Most. you know, I wouldn't suggest sending the patient the whole book because they may. Um, just get lost in there or totally lose, but you can get, send them video links or, or sections of uh, a, a book on, on back pain and things like that. Uh, we, I know you and I both have the Adrian Lowe series, this other ebook, I forget the name of the author, uh, but it's a back book, which just kind of breaks down back pain in a real simple way for patients uh, where you can utilize this and send this to patients, especially those chronic pain patients or psychosocial patients, those patients with a lot of yellow flags. I mean, this is, this is a great time. If you have these resources, um, you know, to, to send it out. If you don't have these resources, uh, you know, reach out to me and Jeremy, we'll be happy to send it to you. Um, and if we don't have it, maybe we know somebody who does, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I I think this is, this is a a time needed where we get to really expand on our skill set. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, I think, yeah, again, you, you can, the thing is, you know, making lemonade out of lemons. Um, I think this is a good opportunity for all of us. So, um, we want to talk about any more other techniques or anything like you wouldn't, I like the, the ebook that you had there kind of showed a lot of yeah, um, video wise. Um, but you know, let me see here. Where'd they all go? I have my upper. Did I close out my upper one? I might have to reopen that one. Give me one second, guys. Oh, I think I'll have an upper one. Here we go. I should I should send you this these books anyway, just for your reference. Actually, hold on. All right, here we go. Got it. Um, um, Screen share. Yeah. All right. Let's gonna put up one. Still getting the hang of this technology stuff, guys. Still, still working on it. See, we're all a work in progress. All right, so, um, so this is my low, the lower extremity ebook. A little explanation on just some concepts. This is this is really made for PTs, um, but I mean, you can give it to patients. A lot of people are smarter than than you think, or at least some of them are. Um, but you could always just tell them to skip over the, the research stuff. Um, and then really what they want to know is the meat and potatoes. So this is a, this is a, a standing posterior glide. I, I try to come up with techniques that patients can easily do or a PT can describe for a patient. And, and I didn't try not to make it too, uh, too complex here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one, I mean, a patient can put their foot on an ottoman, uh, on a chair, whatever the case may be. <laughs> gently pull down, bless you. Thank you. Gently push down, and you're getting a posterior hip glide. Uh, Going to help with hip pain, squatting, uh, maybe a little back pain. If if you have performed a posterior glide or any type of hip glide on a patient before, uh, this is a nice option for them. Long axis distraction. This is a little trickier. I mean, you're going to have to have patients order bands. Uh, and I recommend my patients do 
I, I have them here. I order them in bulk and, you know, I sell the sell to them at cost where I'm not trying to profit off them. Uh, like you, Jeremy, I'm, I'm here to, to provide them um, with a, a service to make them better. So, you know, I provide them at cost. Uh, I try and get them on sale and that's something they can do. I have a black band there. I should have used a different color band so you could see it, but I have a black band there around my ankle, long axis extraction, teach the patient that have some indications where you can use it uh, for, and then, you know, improving glute med strength as well. Performing this type of mobilization will improve that. So you and I always talk about layering or blending treatments. Um, if you perform a, a inferior hip glide or a posterior hip glide, well, we're improving glute med strength. Well, what can we do afterwards? Have the patient perform some, some hip exercise, whether it's bridges, clamshells, or maybe something a little more advanced, lunges, squatting, something like that. So now we're layering our treatment. We have a, a nice, nice flow and reason of why we're doing manual therapy. It's not just to, to, so the patient can be passive in it. It's so we can accomplish these neurophysiological changes going on. Mm -hmm. uh, lateral hip glide, same thing, black bands anchored down. Somebody at home could put it on a, a, a stair banister or a dining room table that's nice and heavy or something. You know, same th same glide uh, with uh, hip flexion incorporated now. Uh, another posterior hip glide, this time in supine with some overpressure of a band. Same thing here. Mm -hmm. So you guys get the idea. I don't want to. I don't want to bore you going through all, through all this stuff here. But um, let me just show you the spine. That's a uh, a good one too. And most of this is on your website, right? From I'm, I'm pretty sure it's on your website. Uh, yeah, I have these three books on the website. Uh, what people no. can buy. I'm actually uh, patients. I just get okay. into. Um, I'm trying to revamp that. That's another thing I'm working on. Trying to revamp where they they might not be on the website for long. Yeah, uh, I might. I know between me. I'm trying to market them differently, and I have a platform. Yeah, between yeah. me and you, we've, we've posted a lot of these or some of these. I know I try to put up some self-mobilizations on my Instagram. I know I've seen it on yours. So. Yeah, if you guys scroll through our Instagrams, uh, a lot of this stuff is uh, is there. Or you could just reach out to us and we could put, supply you with some information. But, yeah, between the two of us. Oops, sorry. So which one's this? The spine book. So different variations. Mid high pro press up to target upper back or the upper low back. And then we have different segments and really all you're doing is just readjusting your hands. Um, for that, we have a, you know, kind of a unilateral rotation, kind of like a, a quadrant test press up. How uh, the patient could do it standing with a strap. So it's assisted. They get a little bit more pressure through it. Lateral glides. I'm sure everyone has their patients do these, but how can we do some some other ones? Hopefully, uh, these give you some ideas. Combining those lateral glides into extension and or flexion. Uh, got Bretzel here, kind of getting hips, low back, mid back. Obviously, I think most people have seen something like this. And then this is obviously a favorite. We go over this in our course chair. Mm -hmm. A lot, a lot of different ideas here, indications, why you would use it, stuff like that. So, you know, that, that, that's kind of what you can offer your patients is just 
it, it's something different. It doesn't always have to be exercise or education, but you know, they're, they're having something that a crick in their neck, uh, inflame. What do we want to do? We just want to bring them back down where they're not as irritable. So really, really what I'm trying to accomplish there. And uh, as you were saying, that neurophysiological effect to decrease the pain so they can do those other exercises. So, I mean, that's a big reason why we do manual therapy in conjunction or adjunction to everything else. So, or we're educating patients um, on different philosophies. This just popped in my head, Jer, as you were saying that. Um, you know, having a patient who's just, you know, doing foam rolling to the IT band for 30 minutes. You know, how can we just make that where they don't have to spend 30 minutes doing it? Well, if you maybe work on some other areas, hip strengthening that alleviates, um, alleviates the pressure on the IT band, or if they're doing just rolling up and down on their spine, well, can we make it a little more specific? What are we trying to accomplish? Why are you just rolling up and down? Are you trying to accomplish extension? Are you trying to accomplish rotation? Are you trying to accomplish a combina combination of extension and rotation? Um, that, you know, you should then have your patient do a mobilization with the foam roll of extension and rotation or thoracic extension or thoracal lumbar extension targeting that specific area that we intend to address and not just have the patient bridge up and roll up and down on a foam roller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it might feel good, but what are you really accomplishing? How can we get more specific with our treatments? Uh, how can we educate the patient? Okay, what you're doing is great. Let's, let's make a little tweak and just make that a little bit more effective for you. Mm -hmm. uh, spin it that way so we're not you know, poo-pooing the patient, making their best effort because they watch somebody else or is a different provider. We, we don't need to bash anybody, but say, okay, that's great that you're doing that. I'm just going to make a little adjustment and this is why, and we're trying to be more specific and, and target, you know, this impairment, which is going to lead to an improvement in this symptom and, you know, explain that to them while they're doing it. You create that buy-in, hopefully they do it, and it doesn't take them 30 minutes to roll out their whole body because now we're just focusing on the one or two areas that we need to do. I think that's that's important. Yeah, I think it's huge, and um, especially as we start to get into specifics of sports and those sort of things. Again, you can just, you know, extension over, you know, for thoracic spine, but, you know, sometimes it's rotation and those sort of things, you know, for a pitcher, those sort of things. So... Um, yes, and you know, if you tie that into the education, show that you understand what they're going through and how it's related to their functional deficits, whether it's sport or you know, picking up their kids or those sort of things, um, they'll all tie in and they'll they'll believe you forever, whether it's distance or in the clinic. So, now those are some awesome, awesome uh techniques and advice and uh. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else that you want to bring up there, Brandon? Uh, no, I think uh, I think we've ranted enough. Um, anything else on your end, Jerry? No, no, I think that's that's good. And um, yeah, if you need any more techniques or anything like that, or you're having, you know, there's certain times where I get like, that was it. A lot of times I had to jog my mind, like, how could I? possibly teach this to someone else and you know yeah. give it a couple minutes and those sort of things and you're probably able to but if you're you know you're having a tough time figuring it out for a particular client 
or you had a particular manual technique that was super beneficial for the person, but now they're removed from you, you know, reach out to us. Um, you know, between the two of us, I'm sure we can help you think of something. Um, you know, I say, you know, get those super bands. Um, those, those can uh, really help out things. Um, but yeah, we're, uh, we're always here for you guys. Um, at Manips and Sips at free uh, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, me personally, I'm at the decent doctor and at traffic, the therapeutics friends at uh, think like a fellow and at pursue PT now. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys learned some good, uh, good techniques and, you know, thought about some things to continue your manual therapy um, virtually. So uh, well, cheers everyone. I don't know if Brandon, you got anything else left to say, but Nope, you close up well, man. Appreciate it. Right. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, see you guys next time. All right, see you guys. Bye now.